Chapter 52. Ah, blah. God damn it. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear page by page. This is page 365. Chapter 52. A Brief Journey. My route was a simple one. I would head downriver to Tarbine, through the Refting Strait, down the coast toward Junpui, and then up the Arand River. It was more roundabout than going over land, but better in the long run. Even if I were to purchase a post letter and change horses at every opportunity, it would still take me almost three span to reach Severin over land. And most of that time would be in southern Atur and the small kingdoms. Only priests and fools expected the roads in that part of the world to be safe. The water route added several hundred miles to the distance traveled, but ships at sea need not mind the twistings and turnings of a road. And while a good horse can set a better pace than a ship, you can't ride a horse day and night without stopping to rest. The water route would take about a dozen days, depending on the weather. My curiosity was also glad to take the sea route. I had never been on any water larger than a river. My only real concern was that I might become bored with nothing but wind, waves, and sailors for company. Several unfortunate complications arose during the trip. In brief, there was a storm, piracy, treachery, and shipwreck, although not in that order. It also goes without saying that I did a great many things, some heroic, some ill-advised, some clever and audacious. Over the course of my trip, I was robbed, drowned, and left penniless on the streets of Junpui. In order to survive, I begged for crusts, stole a man's shoes, and recited poetry. The last should demonstrate more than all the rest how truly desperate my situation became. That's the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. This is good fun. I really like this stuff. I really like when he truncates things. I really like when he skips over swashbuckling adventures. This is one of the things I really like about this book, the way that it plays with the nature of stories. This would be a good story, but it's not the story that's being told. And I like that a lot. Um, I think a weaker book would devolve into a series of incidents, but Rothfuss understands that the incidents are only important in as much as they contribute to the greater narrative. Yeah, and this also just allows for our imaginations to run wild, right? Imagining what form the betrayal took, what kinds of swashbuckling adventures he had, you know, what what his poetry recital ended up being like. <laughs> all of that stuff is left for us to conjure in our imaginations. Yeah. And it's probably better in our imaginations than it would have been, or, you know, at the very least it's about par, right? I think we've seen Quoth begging. We've seen Quoth do swashbuckling. Uh, we've seen him do art or do things he'd rather not do. Have we, have we seen him swashbuckle yet? I don't know if we have. Cause he doesn't have a sword. So I think jumping over fire with a lady damsel is is swashbuckly. Okay, I guess mm. it depends on your on your definition of swashbuckling. Yes, a traditionalist requires you to have a buckler to swash your sword against. Yes, but many conventional swashbucklers, especially in film, do not wear bucklers. They merely swash. Mm, that's true. Wait, 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 wait. Is a buckler a real thing? Are you two doing a bit? I don't know what's going on. Yeah, so the term swashbuckler comes from... Uh, something that people used to do back in ye olden days. A buckler is a small shield, a little bigger than your hand, and 
unlike and all D players know that it provides a measly one armor class point of defense however you can use your hand with it because it just straps to your wrist essentially no that's not true you hold it with a handle I, oh. uh against your knuckles like this as opposed to a shield that is kind of strapped to your arm and then you have another handle to hold it on like this uh face against There's like some the D variant where it where it frees up your hand. Yeah, but I think the people who make D&D don't know how these things work. Um, the point is that the term swashbuckler comes from uh, mercenaries and, and soldiers in the olden days would intimidate their enemies by taking the flat side of their sword and waving it up and down against the flat side of the buckler, producing a swashing sound. Oh, interesting. All right, well, today I learned. There you go. All right, swashbuckling aside, I appreciate that the beginning of this chapter is him being like, yeah, I was excited to go check out the sea, but I was also worried that, oh, I'd be bored at, at sea. And then the next paragraph is like, and then all this stuff happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a good ironic juxtaposition. And also, it's like an interesting world-building detail that the roads are not safe in the small kingdoms in southern Atur, but... The, the water is comparatively safe, whereas I would have thought that the risk of pirates would be uh, roughly equal to the risk of banditry, because piracy is just sea banditry. Also, we should note that like this is the sum up of what occurs on the boat, and there is no confirmation or not confirmation that the, that the pinched-faced man had anything to do with the piracy and or treachery. That's true. All, all we know for sure mystery. is, I mean, yeah, you, you kind of have to read between the lines to construe that that guy caused the treachery that resolved in the shipwreck. I don't know if we're necessarily supposed to draw a conclusion, but uh, I think the the uh, circumstantial evidence is supposed to be enough to suggest that there's some foul play afoot. Now, so he says he was robbed, drowned, and left penniless on the streets of Junpui. And he says... That he did a couple of things, including reciting poetry, but he has the loot with him right now, right? It was not part of what was robbed from him. Well, we learn, I think we learn eventually that he still ends up with the loot or that, you know, we eventually we learn that it's safe. We learn that he, he floated on the loot case when he was in the sea. Uh, and I believe he has to pawn the loot in Junpui to get enough money or possibly in Severin he pawns it, but he, he does end up keeping it. Uh, if he's in Junpui and he has not yet pawned his loot, he could use it to make money because he could busk. No? Yeah, exactly. But he um, doesn't, that's not mentioned. Well, I think that's the poetry. I think he probably isn't able to do music, so he has to, he has to busk with poetry. I remember reading this when I first read it and being annoyed at the fact that we had just gone through all the stuff he has with him and then he seems to lose it. Turns out he doesn't, but I do remember being annoyed at this time. Yeah, I feel I feel a little like conflicted and confused with what like I don't understand what he does and doesn't have right now, and that bothers me because we just did inventory. Yeah, but in a couple pages we do get a sequence where he recounts what he's got. Fair. I suppose. Also, just a very quick note in regards to the available map stuff and what is currently on the page. So things that are, are noted on the page are the Refting Strait, Junpoi, and the Arend River. Uh, the Reft is in the 10th anniversary map. Uh, and it is also, it's, it's also in the regular map. And then uh, same thing with 
Junpoi, I think. I'm just going to double check. Yeah, Junpoi is on both maps as well. Um, the the straight is not is not mentioned, but you can tell by the map what part of the map is the Refting Strait. And That's the right. river is not marked. The Erend River is not marked on either map. And I had a really hard time trying to figure out where that river was. Yeah, I, I think it's the one... In, in this map, there's a, a river that runs through the word the Small Kingdoms. Uh, but I don't think that ends up where I think uh, Severin is. So I would have to take a closer look at the 10th anniversary. Yeah, that's what was confusing me too. Because the, well, the 10th anniversary map makes it difficult to tell where rivers are versus borders. Or if the rivers are on the borders. So Yeah, and Severin is, uh, as I understand it, Severin has a harbor. Yes. So you can sail right up into it. Yeah, so not clear. Maybe that's why he made another map. Well, like looking at the 10th anniversary map, it's not, I mean, it's a little clearer, but it's not really that much clearer. Yeah, like it doesn't look like there's any other river other than that river that runs through the word the Small Kingdoms. And that doesn't look like it's going to the right place. But if there's a river that goes along one of the borders, then that that's different because that hooks up to the waterways that eventually go to Severin. Anyway, Maybe that's it's confusing it. on both of... maps is what I'm saying. Yes. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is take your book down to the local fire pit and toss it in because it's hot garbage. <laughs> wow. Thanks for that hot take, Nick. And speaking of hot takes, we have we want to hotly take your mail. So if you have any letters and you want to send them to us for us to read on the podcast, we want to do that. So do that. Send them to us at pageofthewind.gmail.com. Wow. Yeah. And maybe we'll read it out on tomorrow's page. Uh. The. Way. Way.